0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... It's a time of presidential transition in Washington, D.C. ACB's Tony Stevens explains the transition process and talks about other items of importance. Welcome to ACB Reports for November 2016. Unless you've been living under a large rock on a faraway desert island, you know that the United States of America will elect a new president on November 8th. And by the time most people hear this broadcast, we will all know the identity of that new president. Tony Stevens is the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. He says that the transition between presidential administrations is always an interesting time in the nation's
1: capital. Washington is an interesting place, probably one of the most interesting places in the country every four or eight years, whenever there's a a major transition in power. With it comes, you know, sort of an old and a new guard, if you will, the folks that were here before. Uh, A lot of them have already started leaving. A lot of the executive branch officials uh higher-up leadership have uh, you know, been sort of understanding that there's going to be a change. And, you know, as appointed leaders, in a sense, you know, the folks that are appointed and have to be confirmed by the Senate, you know, a number of them are already taking on other jobs with other uh, private sector organizations and things of that nature, which tends to happen every time we have a change in administration. Uh, you know, it's not like the end of a four-year cycle where you vote for president and, and your same president could be elected again, and so they might stay over Uh, We know there's definitely a hard stop date uh, in middle January when we'll be transitioning to a new president of the United States. And with that, that president will have priorities, similar or different, wherever they might be. Uh, They will be priorities that will bring in new staff and new leadership. What's nice is that in the work that we do behind the scenes, a lot of times it's with with folks that are not what's called SES, selected, uh, you know, the folks that are brought in by appointment. Uh, but rather they're the folks that are you know, sometimes more the career lawyers and policy analysts and people like that, those folks are still going to be around. And while their bosses might change out, a lot of the folks who have the technical expertise fortunately are still on deck, which is nice.
0: And that makes because it easier number, for
1: us. It does make it a lot easier for us. It makes it, you know, their job oftentimes is they're the ones that are going to have to re-educate their boss. Uh, we'll obviously be reaching out to the transition team for the new administration and trying to present our imperatives. And here are the issues that we're wanting to focus on for 2017. And also, it's not just an administration is changing now, but every two years, the United States cycles through a new congressional session. So Congress only technically lasts two years. And we're finishing up the 114th Congress at the end of December this year. And we'll be going into the 115th Congress. So what that means is not only do we have sort of the change in, in, you know, who are the secretaries of labor and education and the health and human services, and then you get sort of their undersecretaries that are confirmed or chiefs of staffs and people like that that they might bring in, you know, so that transition. But then you get Congress. So, you know, we're going to have one third of the Senate up for re reelection. Uh, so there's going to be new senators and there's also going to be new House members. Typically, when there's a new administration, you have higher levels of transition. Uh, just across the board. And
0: that's because uh, of the higher voter turnout than in what's referred to as an off-year election.
1: It is, and oftentimes, too, the president will carry a large number of votes. With the off-year elections, uh, you get people that, you know, sort of in some sense, got to have a much harder fight because they got to get more people out to the polls if you're not an incumbent. Uh, Oftentimes incumbents will more easily get through a mid-year, uh, and then when you get these four years of these large, more popular presidential elections, uh, you know, if there's a change in power, uh, oftentimes, too, that comes with a change sort of downstream, as we call it. So, you know, you get a lot of change with that comes also change in staff, like we talked about before. If one senator's leaving, that staff might transition over into uh, a new senator's office because they bring expertise and work and working on the Hill. Uh, But sometimes, too, you get folks that are completely new staffers up on Capitol Hill that have never worked on Capitol Hill, more so in the House than sometimes in the Senate. But nevertheless, you get situations where, uh, you know, you you have a, a large changeover in the staff as well. I feel like sometimes we get the career folks in the federal government tend to be more reliable and sticking through, And, you know, we'll get more of that turnover in the House where it's more important early in the congressional session to get together with new congressional offices and really try to connect with those congressional staff members.
0: And that's because you've only got two years to do that, and you have to do it again, potentially. Yeah, exactly, which is why it
1: makes more important, you know, this year coming up for our mid-year conference, uh, which will be March 1st, I believe, will be hitting the Hill. You know, it's more important than ever, in a sense, to get folks into town. And make sure, even if you can't make it to Washington, make sure that somehow our state affiliates are connecting with the new congressional offices. Because chances are good, better than not, that there's going to be new congressional staff handling you know, disability issues, education issues, labor issues. There's going to be more turnover in the House. So Congress is real important for us in getting that focus on, on the new staff, as well as with the new administration, especially when you have an eight-year term. Uh, of any president, you know, you tend to get more turnover at the end of that eight years going into whoever it is uh, sort of taking the lead for for a new administration.
0: So you'll be watching that, and I'm guessing a little bit, and we'll talk more in another show about the upcoming mid-year meeting and legislative seminar, but I'm guessing that uh, a lot of what is covered in the mid-year will depend on the outcome of the election.
1: It will. And we're already, in a sense, getting a good gauge of what are some of the main issues we're going to be bringing to the new administration and, by effect, bring to Congress as well to inform them of these are issues that we feel like this new Congress and new administration need to focus in on. Web accessibility is a real good example of that. You know, it's an issue that we were pushing for this past congressional session, the 114th, and uh, just letting folks know last year that, hey, the administration needs to move on clarifying web accessibility rules and regulations around the ADA, uh, that we still have, you know, inaccessible websites as if it's putting up a barrier in front of a physical store. You know, it's very similar in the sense that we can't get access to it the same way that someone maybe without the right-sized door for a wheelchair or a curb cut can't get into a building or if it's on the second floor with no elevator. That's definitely an issue I know we're going to be bringing in. You know, I'm feeling more positive about Congress in a sense that we're going to definitely hit the ground running with some issues that are. Uh, our hope is that Congress will be able to be our champions on. Um, because Congress wasn't so active during the 114th, uh, because there was so much gridlock, we tended to focus more on the administration, which has been excellent work. You know, um, Going into the end of this administration, we've had progress with the Department of Transportation. We've been working very closely in negotiations with the airline industries, which wrapped up in November 2nd was the last day that we had uh, negotiations with the airlines, uh, and, and, you know, they'll be bringing out rule. Unfortunately, the issue we we're working on with service animals got tabled because we couldn't find a compromise, but the Department of Transportation, we we're told, will be releasing, you know, a, a, a proposed rule around service animals on aircraft, which has been a big issue that we've been having to wrestle with the past few years. We've also been working a lot on other transportation issues, you know, encompassing autonomous vehicles, driverless vehicles, uh, you know, kind of the early stages of identifying where that's going to go and opportunities, uh, you know, for people with disabilities in making sure that vehicles are accessible. Uh, we've been making great progress the past year with the FCC because December 20th it will be the deadline for the 21st Century Communications Video Accessibility Act, the CVAA as we call it, in making sure that those desktop boxes are accessible for cable providers and satellite providers. We've got a big deadline coming in December, so we've been working a lot with the FCC. So we've been, we've been doing a lot. We haven't just been idly passing by on the sidelines since Congress hasn't been doing too much. We've had this opportunity to really work with the administration. And like I said earlier, in making some of those relationships with the technical folks in, it's been real good because we feel like we're in a good position going into a new administration where there's going to be enough rollover of those experts in the field, in a sense, particularly in transportation with the FCC, that I think we're going to be in a good position with the new administration on those imperatives that we have around FCC issues, television and cable issues, the CVA and mobile phones and things like that, as well as with the transportation issues we've been sort of wrestling with as well.
0: When it comes to transportation, the service animal issue has been an ongoing concern for a long time. But that concern over service animals is not limited to the airlines.
1: You know, we've been working a lot with service animals in the airline industry, but it's not the only area in the Department of Transportation where we've had issues with service animals. We've also had concerns on a larger definition that Department of Transportation has had towards service animals, not just within the Air Carrier Access Act for airlines. Our hope is that by doing this work with the airlines, we can sort of scale up a more clear definition that Department of Transportation can use so that we're not having similar issues in fixed route transportations. We've had concerns and complaints of people bringing exotic animals onto buses um, that were just you know, clearly not providing a service at any time for that individual, not to say that folks with other disabilities clearly have a right and a need for service animals. But again, we get sort of these stunts that people have, like the one that TMZ did with the turkey on the airplane that gained a lot of popularity for Delta and other airlines trying to get a turkey on a plane, um, which kind of, you know, painted service animals in a negative light. So we still have some work to do around there. We are continuing, like I said, uh, with the autonomous vehicles. We're at sort of a horizon of the federal government trying to create a sense of a road map on how to regulate and bring about autonomous vehicles much sooner than I would have ever thought in sort of this science fiction idea that, you know, we'll have cars that drive us around and pick us up and, you know, like when we were kids, sort of science fiction movies. But it's the science and technology is, is really there.
0: A drone on four wheels. <laughs> A drone.
1: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, we've got drones, you know, groups like Amazon trying to find out how can they use drone helicopters to deliver your packages. Uh, Already, they're driving around in streets in in cities like Pittsburgh and through California. They're doing these pilot tests, and the technology is there. We want to make sure that the technology is usable for people who are blind. And we're having some good meetings with industry and with the Department of Transportation. And I think while, you know, ACB has not come on record with an official statement, we haven't had a resolution per se, uh, I think it's something that members might want to be paying attention to that we want to be able to get in early enough into this technology and this really would be a huge cultural phenomenon. I mean, the idea of transportation in rural communities is a huge barrier and this might be a huge perhaps solution for those issues. My thought is too, in, in terms of the autonomous vehicles is uh, at least I know a computer is not going to say no if I have my service dog with me, which is always kind of a nice sense of comfort when calling it one of these vehicles. But I think it's, technology that is much more real than I think a lot of us had thought a few years ago. So that's an area that Department of Transportation, NHTSA, is looking into, the National Highway and Transportation Safety Administration, which is part of DOT.
0: As you were describing that, I was just wondering, is AARP doing anything in this area?
1: AARP has not been engaged in this area as much. AARP is an interesting body. They are very large and have a very strong voice here in the district, you know, inside the Beltway, as we say. Uh, but they haven't been at the table on this, per se. One of the areas that we're hoping to do, and we've been working some, you know, we're part of American Foundation for the Blind has their aging and vision loss initiative that they're working on right now, is trying to find ways to engage other advocacy groups, not just the disability groups, the obvious folk who always come to the table. But what other groups can we sort of focus on that that could be strong beneficiaries of this kind of technology? Because our population is still aging. We know the number and incidence of blindness is going to double because of this aging population over the next 15 years. So as someone in D.C. that works on coalitions, I think one of the things we're going to have to do is is work better uh, in the new administration, also with bringing in other organizations that could benefit from this stuff as well and try to align ourselves so that we're all working towards the same goal of a universally accessible transportation system that's equitable that includes everybody is affordable uh, and we're not talking just about a robot car that comes to your house but in fixed route transport you know it it crosses the gamut in the administration it's exciting to think that, you know, this science fiction can be reality for anybody that's a fan of science fiction. <laughs> Buck Rogers is laughing somewhere. With his little robot friend that sounds way too much like our, our talking computers did 20 years ago when, when <laughs> yeah, you know, right. we started using tech talk and stuff. You're listening
0: to ACB Reports from the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. We'll return to our conversation with Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, in just a moment. You can listen to ACB Reports, the ACB Braille Forum, and the eForum by phone. Just dial 605-475-8154. That's 605-475-8154. Want to enjoy ACB Radio but have no computer? It's all there for you by phone. Call 605-475-8130. That's 605-475-8130. The long-distance charges and minute usage of your calling plan will apply.
1: From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports.
0: I'm Mike Duke. And our guest on ACB Reports is Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Earlier, you mentioned the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. What can you tell us about the audio description survey that was recently
1: conducted by ACB? So ACB, uh, with the help of a scholar from Suffolk University in New England, did an audio description survey to really assess from the blindness community, not just our members, but through other channels as well, people taking the survey, and uh, had very, very interesting results. In some sense, it confirmed, you know, as any study sometimes does, kind of what your hypothesis is or what you may think. But it really painted an interesting picture into the prevalence and use of audio description in television. One of the complaints that we heard when the CVA was passed was kind of a supply and demand concern. A, there's not enough people out there that can provide the content trained and doing this description. But then in two, we always hear that our population is a small segment of the population. And it's hard sometimes when you're the little guy in a room to scream loud enough that others hear you and, and take what your concerns are as relevant and, and, you know, sort of change industry. You know, the David and Goliath kind of idea. The survey painted some real interesting pictures. You know, nine out of ten people that were polled said that they had tried audio description and roughly about half use it pretty regularly Um, you know there were still concerns you know a little less than half were still concerned with it being hard to access either they didn't know where to find out what was being audio described or they would have you know the classic issue with their cable box remote you know need sighted assistance to turn on the feature but some of the areas that really took me by surprise with a clear message that we've been sending to the FCC is the FCC is considering expanding the amount of audio described programming because right now it's at a very small portion of television when you figure that just under a hundred percent of all television programming is closed captioned for the hearing impaired we're at a small small fraction of that around three percent or less is audio described so you know our hope is that this data can help push the FCC because three-quarters, 75%, very much agreed with the statement that uh, there's not enough programming out there, that we need more audio described programming. One of the areas with the airline industry, going back to what we were talking about with the airlines, is pushing for, in our negotiations, to have audio described in-flight entertainment. Uh, The way that it will be captioned, we also want it audio described. Uh, You know, the Japanese airline, uh, ANA, and then Air Canada, already have that sort of built into their systems. The Japanese airline ANA will be launching it in their 787 flights, and Air Canada's been using it as well uh, in their sort of new seat-back display systems having audio description. But we're wanting to see that more expanded. Uh, The same is true, obviously, for television, where it's the window into our culture. You know, we exist in this idea of the water cooler Mondays and what happens Sunday night on what show. Uh, and for our community, we've been shut out. So our, our, you know, in a sense of really being able to grasp the fullness of, of this type of American life and American culture that is the television experience. So our hope is that this data, you know, if we're saying that a large number, because uh, even, too, what was interesting was it wasn't just people who were blind. Uh, you know, we had nine out of ten. Eight out of ten folks who were visually impaired were also using audio description or have used it in the past which we thought was a very high number. You know, you would think it would just be for people that couldn't see at all. Um, But those with even low vision were taking advantage of it. And we even had a significant number of people say that they used audio description who could see that took our survey that had no vision problems. But, you know, they might live in the house with someone who's blind. They have a family member in the house. Uh, You know, as we know that our population is going to double over the next 15 years for folks with, you know, significant vision loss, even with lenses, like corrective lenses with glasses, you know, we're going to be looking at you know, roughly 35, 40 million people in about 15 years in the United States. And so our hope is that's a lot of households. You know, so it's not that every household in America has someone who's blind, but a large chunk of it does. So, again, we want to make sure that the programming can be accessible for that population. And so the audio description survey really sort of affirmed that, yes, this number is significant. Folks want more. And we even had one person say that they had perfectly good sight, but they were autistic. And they found that using the audio description and the the comments that they provided helped them follow the program itself. And so, you know, it's not even something that's helping people who are blind, just in that sense. But, again, it's the idea of universal access.
0: Right. And it's uh, like so many of the things that the American Council of the Blind does, it reaches far beyond our membership and far beyond what we as members of ACB and as people who are blind ourselves sometimes think in terms of uh, how it can affect and impact other people. Definitely. I gotta throw this in, we're in uh, early November now as we record this and for the last several Octobers it's been uh, well is the government going to shut down or this and that. Did we actually make it through October without the threat of a shutdown?
1: We did make it through October. Uh, They pulled together. It wasn't It wasn't nail-biting, but it was late September with the budget. Uh, Well, what's called a continuing resolution. So here's the fun part. So we have the continuing resolution, which which got us through October and will now get us through November. Uh, They will, in early December, the continuing resolution expires. So it's almost like a kind of a temporary extension of money where they say, we're going to continue with what we said we'd spend last year for this year, for the first two months of this year. And then in early December, we're going to have to do this all over again. So they'll either officially pass a budget then once everyone gets back after the election and is back in the swing. Uh, You know, it'll be a little slow ramping up to Thanksgiving, but after Thanksgiving, things will start getting really busy. Uh, And they'll they'll work to try to to craft either a budget for the remainder of the year or a continuing resolution which means we're sort of in this holding pattern of passing uh, it off to the next congress leaders, yeah. you know or the next the next budget year yeah yeah so it'll, it'll definitely be something that the next congress will have to wrestle with in the past they've done continuing resolutions to get us through like april which is real sporadic for the government my hope is that they'll they'll be able to agree on a budget uh, that'll get us through uh, september 30th of 2017. wow Yes, the folks will probably hear budget talk coming after Thanksgiving again on their local evening news cycle. Anything else we need to cover? We did have some success. The federal government announced that they reached their 100,000 hiring goal of hiring 100,000 employees with disabilities. They actually hired 109,000 since 2011 when the president came out with an executive order. So we had a celebration at the White House at the end of October about that of course, one of the areas that we're concerned with is there's a sub-goal that the federal government has of, I want to say maybe 2% for 12 targeted disabilities, blindness being one of those. And, uh, you know, I I haven't heard any data yet on where we stand with if those sub-goals are being met as well in trying to reach numbers. But folks are positive about the federal government. You know, that was kind of a good news, a success story of just breaking down some barriers because the idea is that since the federal government is such a large portion of our gross domestic product, our GDP, you know, they can lead by example. And so we were glad that at least we were able to get some good media around that 100,000 being met and exceeded.
0: And they should lead Um, by example.
1: They should be led by example. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, the rules first came first for the federal government for employee 501 of the Rehab Act is all about federal hiring of people with disabilities. And that was, you know, a good 17 years before the ADA even came about. So, it's been in the goal of the federal government. They always haven't been there, but they've been doing good lately, and we're, we're excited to see that. So, you know, it, it's, it's uh, like I said, quiet with the administration in transition. Uh, they always call it a lame duck session after an election, but I think that it will be probably more activity than we're used to sometimes with folks just trying to push through things at the end of the year. It depends on really how much transition there will be in the House and the Senate. But, you know, it could be a busy lame duck, we'll see, Uh, in December. So it's going to be an interesting uh, end of the year going into a new Congress and a new president.
0: And I know you'll be watching that diligently, and uh, certainly we'll be hearing back from you on the ACB reports when there are new things to report, exciting or otherwise.
1: (laughs) And and again, we encourage people to get involved if they can't come to Washington. when We have our midyear, and we'll be updating folks again going into the new year for our midyear conference. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to, uh, to working with folks around the country on getting the word out about what we're doing and pushing our imperatives.
0: All right. Thank you very much, sir. And you have a happy Thanksgiving and holiday season. You and all the listeners as well, Mike. Thank you. That was Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. He spoke with us on November 1st from his office in Alexandria, Virginia. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on Radio Information Services Nationwide, on Side 4 of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org.